Welcome back to another episode of Standing Room Only. I'm Jay Simmons and I'm here with my co-host Matt Winnetoy and we're excited to bring you another great episode. Matt, how's everything going this week? Doing good, Trey. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, Getting tired of being in this lockdown here in Ontario, but can't really complain. Uh, Before we bring on our guest, I I just got to admit a mistake I made on the last episode. Uh, If you didn't have a chance to listen to episode seven, first of all, you know, go back and listen to it because it was a lot of fun. But uh, we had a chance to have our first sponsor of the the podcast and, and I totally messed up the plug. Uh, long story short, they, they gave me a script and, and at the end they said, you know, tweak however you feel is comfortable. Now, I thought that was their slogan, so I added it into the script. But really what they were saying was, you know, tweak the script for however we want it to work. So uh, kind of embarrassing, but, you know, it, it does kind of work for a slogan. So maybe uh, I'm on to something, but amateur hour for sure. Oh, that's amazing. I guess that's taking the script a little too literally, AJ. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I can do better this time. Uh, so without further ado... Uh, I'd like to announce our sponsor for the month of April, and that's my Boo Candles. This Canadian company uses all-natural beeswax to make some of the most fun and unique candles I've ever seen. With multiple different molds and scents, you can turn any space into an aesthetically pleasing atmosphere. Don't just take my word for it. Go check them out for yourselves at www.myboo-candles.myshopify.com or on Instagram at Candles. For the month of April, use the code SRO15 to get 15% off. That's SRO15. Once again, tweak however you feel is comfortable. All right. Well, we are excited about our next guest on Standing Room Only. We have the 10th overall draft pick in the 2017 NHL entry draft and current Florida Panthers forward, Owen Tippett. Owen, how's it going, man? Not bad. How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for jumping on, Owen. Uh, we, We really appreciate you taking the time. Um, we usually just start off with a couple general questions, and then we'll get into your career uh, and go from there. Matt, you want to kick it off? All right. First question uh, for the listeners who don't know: You are cousins with current Tampa Bay Lightning forward Mitchell Stevens. He was telling us the other day that he is a hundred percent the better golfer between the two of you. Can you confirm or deny that? Um, I can't confirm. He has been playing longer with, longer than me, though, so we'll give it a couple of years and see where that goes. Love it. Yeah, it's awesome. We had him on uh, episode two, and it, it was great. He said you guys had been golfing a bit. Yeah, no, it's uh, we haven't played down here much, but um, we played back home for sure throughout the summers when we're both back and and, and around each other. So, yeah, it's awesome uh, that you guys are both so close, and pretty special that you're both playing in the same state as well. With him obviously being in Tampa, how about Netflix? Got any go-to shows? Um, not a big TV show guy. I mean. I'll throw on Netflix here and there, but it's more just background noise. I'm, I think the last, um, the last show I probably binge watched was uh, Money Heist. Oh yeah, what, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it was good. I mean, obviously, when it's uh, it's dubbed over, it's really in Spanish, but it, it takes you a while to get into it. But it was uh, it was really good. Yeah, brain hurts a bit from reading the subtitles. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Awesome. We know you're busy uh, this year with the condensed season and we got you on an off day. What does a normal off day look like for you? Yeah, not a whole lot. I mean, we're playing every other day, if not back-to-back days. So um, off days, just get tested and kind of hang out. And depending on the day, if it's nice, you can golf. If not, just spending it by yourself, resting for the next game. Yeah. And uh, looks like you're in a hotel right now. Is that where you've been staying? Yeah, I've been here all year. Um, just I think with the condensed season and and stuff, the teams had us here for for most of the year, and I've just decided to stick with it. And, and with 
short time remaining left. It's just, just an easier option. Yeah. What's that like kind of living out of a hotel? It's not too bad. I mean, usual hotel living. I got, it's almost like a, a suite. So I have my kind of own bedroom and, and kitchenette and everything. So it's nice. What happens when you go on a road trip to check out every time you, you go with the team or. Yeah, I can. I mean, I'm, it depends on the road trip. If it's just a short road trip, then um, I'll just keep the room. But if it's a longer one, I'll, I'll save the money and, and check out. Yeah, it's the life of a, of a early NHL, right? You got to save those bucks. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I, I think we should just get into your career and we'll start um, back at the beginning. So you're from Peterborough, Ontario, um, born and raised, yep. and you played a bit of minor hockey there, is that right? Yeah, I played there until I was 11. Right. And then uh, you moved to Toronto, right, to Peak Academy um, with your cousin, Mitch Stevens. Um, tell us a little bit about that, what that was like kind of moving away from home at such a young age, moving into a big city, right, a lot bigger than Peterborough, um, and then playing hockey quite competitively there. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I think having Mitch a couple years older, he was already down in Toronto. It made the decision easier. I mean, he went to the school and was playing in, in the GTHL and um, he was kind of able to tell me what it was all about. And we decided as a family that it was a right move for me. And my mom and I headed down there. I mean, obviously it was a young age, but I mean, having that support from, from family, it, it makes it a lot easier. So um, yeah, no, it was a, a great move and I don't regret it. Were there any other players that are in the NHL now that you played with at peak or? There's a couple that are still in uh, school. They go to school throughout the States. Um, from my age, I'm trying to think. I think there might be one or two, but um, usually like a couple of guys that are older and, and Mitch's age are, are in the NHL now. But some of the guys I went to school with are still either in school or, or in the AHL. Nice. And you, you briefly mentioned your family there. So uh, one sister, I believe, is that your only sibling? Yep, only sibling. Yeah, and uh, I've read actually that you're really close with her. Yeah. Um, so what was that like moving away from her at a young age? Um, was that hard? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, obviously being so close, you don't want to kind of move away from your sibling. But, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, if you support what she's doing and she supports what you're doing, and you can make it work. And she would come down to any games I could. It wasn't too far away. And we'd always be on the phone talking, texting, whatever it was. So. Um, no, I mean, obviously it wasn't ideal moving away so young, but uh, we made it work. Yeah. Then fast forward to your uh, OHL draft year, you're taking fourth overall. What's it like when you go that high? Do you kind of know where you're going to get drafted before the day itself? Or was that a surprise on the actual draft day? Uh, I think on any given year, you have kind of an idea you're told where you think you might go. But um, I had no idea. I mean, there was a few teams in contention and I wasn't too sure on where I was going to end up, but um, it ended up being Mississauga, which was even closer to home. So no, it was, it was, it was great. What was that day like? Were you at home with your family or, or where were you? Yeah, we were just at home all sitting around the computer at the same time and right. refreshing the screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> refresh, refresh, but no, it was just one of those things where you hear it over the internet and, and their, uh, their live stream that they do. And then you get calls from, from the team you're selected to. So it's pretty, uh, pretty surreal moment. Yeah, for sure. And you're in a different scenario where you're kind of drafted to the team that was local. Uh, did you have a billet family in your junior career? Or did you live uh, with your mom? Yeah, I did. I had the, uh, I had a built family all four years. Um, my mom had, had ended up actually moving closer to home just to be closer to my sister and, and, less of a commute to work for her. So I ended up billeting for, for my whole career. Nice. 
Um, and in your second year in the O, um, you had quite a bit of success. You scored 44 goals, made a really deep playoff run. Um, uh, that's a lot of goals for a second-year guy in the O. And, and did you kind of get a lot of attention from that? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think it was a slow start to the year for, for the team. And um, we kind of had it had it in us that we knew what the team we had and the success we could have. And, and obviously, like I said, we, we got off to a slow start. But I think once we kind of figured it out and, and all started playing on the same page and kind of using each other, that's when it took off. And I think a lot of guys had successful years, not only as a team, but individually. And I think it, it just goes to show that um, when you play as a team and, and use guys around you, it's, it's not only good for individual success, but it, it, it works out as team success as well. Yeah, for sure. And you guys made a deep run that year, right? Yeah, we made it all the way to, uh, to the finals. Who'd you lose to? Erie. Oh, yeah. Rumor has it they had a couple good players in that team, huh? <laughs> yeah, just a few. <laughs> yeah. Who was who were some guys that were on your team that year? Um, we had Bastion, McLeod, Hag, uh, um, a couple of other guys, Trent Fox. Uh, we made a couple, couple decisions at the deadline that kind of helped our team. And uh, we had Nylander that year, too. Or no, he was the year before. Sorry. Sorry. He was my first year there. But yeah, we had a good team. What's uh What's Nick Hag like off the ice? He's really breaking out this year, and he, he seems like a funny guy. Do you have any good stories of him? Yeah, he is. I actually lived with him in junior, so um, he's great. I mean, obviously, we got to, to know each other. We played played together and, and billeted together, and um, we're still close friends to this day. I mean, I'm glad to see him him doing well, and he's having great – and he's going to have a long career. I mean, the way he approaches the game, it's, it's a pro mentality, so – yeah, it's great to see him in Vegas doing so well. Um, so a little bit about you kind of getting drafted to the NHL. Um, in 2017, you got drafted 10th overall to Florida. What was that draft like? Was it, uh, I mean, obviously a lot bigger scale than the OHL draft, um, but where was that draft held? It was in uh, Chicago. Chicago. And did your family, I'm assuming, went down with you? Yeah, everyone was there. I mean, it was a different, that was the only year they did kind of like that green room where they do in the NFL where you're kind of behind stage and you're sitting around the table with your family, but. Um, so you got to you got to be back there. Yeah, I don't know how they chose, but I was one of the guys that was able to get back there. And um, I don't know, there was mixed reviews. I mean, obviously, you you grow up watching everyone. You know, your name gets called, and you walk down through the stands and and whatever it is. But um, yeah, I don't think they've done it since. But it was a cool experience to be a part of that for sure. Yeah, watching the draft on like TV, you kind of see everyone go up on stage. But what's the process like that day after you get drafted? You know, is there a lot of interviews, or is it kind of just hanging out with friends and family? Yeah, so you once you're picked, you it's it's what you see. You kind of bounce around, do interviews with the team, all the local media, and then um, after that, there's the kind of like the media stuff where it's not just interviews, but you're signing autographs and, and doing pictures and, and whatnot. And then after that, you actually go up to the the team suite. They have all the suite, I guess it's broken up into each team. And by the time I was already up there, my family was up there. And um, that's when you kind of get to meet more, more of the people, a part of the organization as well as the other draft picks. Yeah. So getting drafted 10th overall is obviously really high. Um, what was your expectations kind of going into your first training camp with Florida? Was it more of just a learning experience or was it, I'm going to make this team? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, being a young guy just drafted that year, you don't really have many expectations and you just want to kind of make the best first impression that you can. So um, going in, I just wanted to kind of prove myself and, and give that first impression. 
Yeah, and he must have made a good one uh, because he ended up making the team out of camp and you got to play uh, seven games with the Panthers before they sent you back down to the OHL. Uh, and during that stretch of games, you also got your first goal. What team was that against again? It was against Anaheim. Just a backdoor tap in, but it's it's uh, it's something I won't forget for sure. It beats it beats Mitch's first goal. I don't know if you saw that one against Carey Price off his <laughs> yeah. chest. So yeah, yeah, hey, that's awesome. Don't cow, right? Exactly. So <laughs> in your, I think your 19 year old season in the OHL, you got traded. Um, was that something you knew was coming down the pipeline? I know Saginaw had had a good team that year. Um, and what was that experience like the day you got traded? Um, I think in the back of your head when as you get older and, and teams start to make the run, it's it's always in the back of your head that it could be a possibility. I mean, obviously with the connections I had in, in Mississauga, I, I was hoping that wasn't the case. I was really liking playing there and everything. And um, I actually got back from World Juniors and I was ready to meet the team. They were playing, I think it was in Oshawa, and I was at home and they're like, Okay, just meet me at the game, like just drive whenever you're ready, like you don't have to come on the bus, all this stuff and I get a call, hey, don't come to the game. Um, your agent should be call, calling you soon. Um, and that's when I – that was the first time I heard. And, um, I mean, obviously it was my decision with the the way trades work in the OHL, but I saw a great opportunity in Saginaw, and I, I, was, I was really happy to join the team. Yeah, and you ended up being traded for – some guy, I don't know if he ever made it anywhere, but six picks along with him. So what does that feel like to kind of show your value with six picks and, and a guy? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, obviously, too, with with how much Mississauga helped me and, and how much I love playing there. I mean, it was great to see that they were getting something that was going to help them in the long run, too. I mean, they've wanted success and, and for them to get that return was was great for not only me, but for them. Yeah, for sure. You got you just touched on it there, but you had a pretty cool opportunity to play in Canada for the World Juniors. What was that experience like? I know you're kind of a, a main part of that team and unfortunately fell short, but overall, how was that experience? Yeah, like you said, we fell short, but I think anytime you get a chance to play in a tournament like that on in front of a home crowd, it's it's something you'll never forget. I mean, every little kid grows up watching that, that tournament every year at Christmas and um, whenever you get the chance to play, it's, it's amazing. I mean, whenever you pull that Canadian Jersey over your head, it's, it's a special moment. And like you said, we fell short, but it's something, uh, it's an experience that I'll never forget. It's especially being in, in front of home crowd in Vancouver. It was, it was pretty special. Yeah. Was that the year that, uh, Di Pietro was your goalie? Yeah. Yeah. And he was the Vancouver fans were chanting his name and stuff. Right? He played. Yeah. On yeah, that, yeah. That's it, a... was, it was great for him. I mean, it was, couple years after the draft and he was playing in front of pretty much his home crowd coming up here. And um, no, it was great. Yeah. So you said, you know, you, you returned from the world juniors, you got traded to Saginaw um, and you guys went on a, a pretty good run that year as well. Right. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. You ended up losing to Guelph, right? So. Yeah, we ended up losing to Guelph. It was, I mean, it was a great series all along. We ran into some injuries and suspension problems, but um, no, we had a great team there. I mean, like I said, I was one of the guys that was coming in late and you could just tell the the good young core they had. That was, that was, it's something special. I mean, even now they built, built a team there that's, that's going to be in the running for the next couple of years. So one of your teammates there was Cole Perfetti, right? Yep. He was uh, 16 at the time, I think. And he's kind of breaking onto the scene now. Uh, what was he like playing with? Were you on a line with him and uh, did you guys have success together? Yeah, we played together for, for a bit there. Um, I can't remember if it was the whole time, but 
Uh, we played together for a good chunk, and, I mean, it being his first year, I, I'm lost for words. I mean, the way he sees the ice and his ability to make plays was something special, and um, it just goes to show. I mean, he he's going to be a great player for Winnipeg. He's doing well this year in the AHL. So, um, no, he's just, he's an unbelievable player. Yeah, and was I think he was a 10th overall pick to the NHL too, wasn't he, this year? I think he was, yeah, because I think we were joking about it after the draft. I had texted him. So it's funny how that stuff works out. But, no, he's he's going to have a long career. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess after your 19-year-old year in the OHL with Saginaw, you the next year you uh, made the AHL, right? Yep. So you played for Springfield, uh, Florida's AHL team. You had a really good year, uh, almost a point per game, which is impressive for your first year in the AHL. And you actually got uh, invited to the All-Star game, right? So talk a little bit about that year. What kind of stuff did you learn and what you know? What did you carry on to you know this year from there? Yeah, being my uh, it was my first year pro, so um, just wanted to go in and, and learn as much as possible and and develop my game to to where it needs to be. And um, like I said, it was a, it was a slow start again, but I think once I adjusted and, and got used to playing at that level, it was it was an easier game for me. And as I was playing the right way, it started to pay off. Yeah, for sure. And then fast forward to last year, weird year in general, but you were a part of the bubble for Florida, right? What was that experience like, you know, like living in Toronto, uh, getting tested every day? Was that uh, was that tough on you or or how did that go? Um, it was honestly a cool experience to, to be a part of. I mean, the way the NHL set it up so fast and, and we were able to play and and, you know, make make playoffs happen and and the Stanley Cup happened, it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, obviously, it's not ideal to be locked in a hotel and getting tested every day. But um, when you can say in the future you were part of that that year, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Were you in the Toronto? Were you in the downtown or the Liberty Village bubble? We were in the downtown one. Downtown one. Nice. Yeah. Our first guest was uh, Ty Delandry and he was there with the stars. Uh, he had he said that they would go and play, you know, at BMO. Uh, they'd play games and stuff like that. Did you guys do the same? Yeah, we had, I mean, all that stuff was accessible to us. I mean, there's different restaurants and stuff you go to, but yeah, BMO Field was just a bunch of field games, soccer, cornhole, whatever it was. So no, it was pretty great how how quickly and, and how well they, they set it all up. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, fast forward again to this year. Um, did you expect to kind of to make the team this year or was it, again, like just, just going and putting your best foot forward? Yeah, exactly. It was just, I mean, it, I I don't think you can ever kind of have expectations and, and expect to make the team. I mean, obviously that's what you're working for every year, but um, I just wanted to go in and, and like you said, put my best foot forward and, and do what I could to make the team. Yeah. And is management, like, do they give you any sense of, you know, how they're tracking to, to bring you up or something or no, is it more just you have to prove yourself and then. We'll Not really. Yeah. You just kind of have to prove yourself. I mean, they can give you little tips, hints and tips here and there being like, this is what we see. This is what we want to see out of you. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all in your performance. You could, they could think one thing and, and you could have, have a bad camp and it could go completely opposite way. So, yeah. Uh, one of our guests we've had on recently, Mason Marchman is your teammate. What's he like off the ice? Yeah, he's, he's a good guy too. I mean, obviously we played together in Mississauga as well. He was traded to our team when we, when it was my first year. So we know each other from from Mississauga and and it's great to have a guy like that around I mean obviously he's he's played four or five years pro now and and when you have a familiar face like that it's it's obviously makes it a little easier and no he's a great guy and awesome teammate as well yeah we actually grew up with Mush uh, in Uxbridge so uh, we know him really well uh, and yeah he's a great guy um yeah so 
this year you've played 36 games, uh, maybe a bit more. Uh, that's just what we have in our notes from yeah. when we looked it up, but uh, maybe 37 now, but you have 12 points. Uh, how is this year going for you personally? Do you feel like you're, you know, you're having a good season um, and what kind of stuff are you kind of learning slash working on? Yeah. I mean, I think day to day, you're just learning how to be a pro. You get to look at guys that have been in the league for a long time and um, every day, whether it's on the ice or off the ice, you just kind of learn how to be a pro and, and learn to, do little things that you might have not really considered to be in the day-to-day life of an NHL hockey player. But no, I mean, obviously our team's team's been doing great. We've had a lot of success on the ice this year and it's been fun to be a part of. Yeah. What's it like playing with guys like Barkov, Huberto? Like that's gotta be pretty impressive to, to watch every day. Yeah. Really impressive. I mean, those are the guys you grow up watching. I mean, only even if they're a couple years older with you, older than you, it's, those are the guys, the high-end talent that, you know, you grow up as a kid just watching and, and to be alongside them and, and learning from them and, you know, getting to know them. It's, it's been awesome. Yeah. One of your teammates, Ekblad, actually had a pretty bad injury um, a couple weeks ago. You know, what was the mood like in the room after that? Obviously losing one, one of your top D-men. Yeah. Um, to see him go down like that, it's, it's never easy, especially the year he was having. I mean, he was – playing all situations, power play, penalty kill, even strength. So um, to see a guy go down like that, it's it's tough. It's You never want to see anyone get hurt. But, um, you know, our, our, I feel like our team did a good job of balancing back. I mean, I mean, after the game, it, it wasn't happy moods. It was, you know, making sure everything was okay, making sure he was fine, making sure it was all going to work out. But, um, I mean, it's the unfortunate reality of it is, and it's going to happen. I mean, you don't want to see anyone get hurt, but I think we've done a good job of kind of, you know, everyone stepping up that little bit more and, and filling the big gap he had. Yeah, he, he was having a breakout year for sure. Um, yeah, so just before we kind of wrap up, you know, your, it's a great overview of your career. But before we wrap up, we uh, we actually put on our Instagram yesterday, you know, what would you guys want to know from an NHL player? We didn't say you were coming on or anything. So we just have a few questions that some people have put in. Uh, we'll just get your thoughts on them and, and you can share with, with whatever. Um, yeah, so the first one here is how many DMs did you get after your first game? I can't remember. I actually have it, my Instagram set up where I can't get requests from people that that, that don't follow me just to, to make it easier. But um, definitely follower requests and, you know, comments or likes or whatever it's definitely a lot more than what you'd be getting in, in minor hockey or junior for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the next one here is who was your favorite player growing up? Uh, for a while it was Alex Ovechkin. And I, as I got older, I leaned more towards uh, McKinnon. Good goal scorers like yourself. Yeah. Uh, and then this one kind of goes with that, but who was your favorite team growing up? Um, it was Washington for a while. And then once I moved to Toronto, I became a pretty big Leafs fan as I was able to go to some of the games. Yeah, so what's that like when you're playing in Toronto now uh, with Florida? Is that, I mean, I guess you haven't really had a, have you played in Toronto yet? No? No, we haven't been able to. Right, because you're not playing them this year. Yeah, yeah, and then just just one more here. Um, What's your kind of after a game, you know, junk food snack or or meal? Where would you go? Where would I go? Or would you not even eat? Would you not even eat bad after a game? It's it's tough because we get all, like, we get the food right from the rink, right? So it depends on on what it is but um i wouldn't say really anything i mean maybe maybe a coke or little candy bar or something but i wouldn't say a, a big junk food or anything because we get meals right from the rink 
Yeah. There's actually been a lot of stories of guys drinking like Coke on the bench and stuff. Have you ever seen something like that or no? Um, I've never seen it. No, but you, you hear of guys that do it all the time or, or the intermission They're you know, most guys are drinking water and they'll, <laughs> they'll have a pop. I haven't seen yeah. it, but I, I actually, know. apparently, apparently Ovi, right? he does that. Yeah. That's I think, I've heard. I think he's like, even guys that have played, you know, with them or against them or whatever they say, like he fills his water bottle up with, <laughs> with pop instead of water. So. I mean, maybe that's a secret to scoring like 60 goals a year. Yeah, maybe. Might have to try next game. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Sneak it in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, on that topic, what would uh, Joel Quenville think of Owen Tippett if he has Coke in his water bottle on the bench? I don't know. That, I'm not willing to try it, though. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> what's he like as a coach? He's a pretty, uh, you know, he's got a good resume on him. And, and what's he like? Yeah, really good resume. I mean, he's he's a great coach. I mean, I love playing for him. And he has little one-liners behind the bench that you can tell he's been around for a while and he's seen a lot of stuff and no, he's, he's been great. I mean, given the resume, you, you learn to respect a guy like that and, and you can see that the reason why he's had so much, so much success in his career. No, for sure. He's uh he's definitely one of the elite coaches in the league. So yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there unless you have anything else, Jay. No, again, we really appreciate you hopping on with us. Um, it's a great overview of kind of, you know, your career and getting to know you. Um, good luck with the rest of this year, you guys are really doing well. So keep going with that run. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll have you back on down the road. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for having me guys. Awesome. Thanks a ton for coming on, man. We appreciate that. No problem. Thank you. Awesome. That was great talking with Owen uh, and going through his career. He's had a really, you know, a lot of experiences and, and a lot of success so far. And it's going to be exciting to watch him uh, kind of go through his career. Yeah. He's kind of been an elite guy throughout his entire career. So it'll be exciting to watch him grow and really start to, uh, um, you know, get a feel for the NHL game. Yeah, it was interesting to me that, you know, his favorite players kind of growing up were Ovi and McKinnon. Um, and that kind of translates to his game, right? Like he's a he's a goal scorer just like them. So uh, you wonder maybe he just, he, he got inspired by them and that's where he modeled his game around. So again, going to be interesting to see him uh, throughout his career. I think he's going to be a really good NHL player. Yeah, you can totally see a future where this guy's getting, you know, anywhere 30 to 40 goals a game if he's uh, put in the right position to succeed. So definitely exciting. Yeah, uh, in Florida, doing really well this year. Uh, one of the teams that's kind of standing out and, and doing better than some people thought they would. Um, so let's go through that. Who are who are some teams that have impressed you uh, kind of going into the last little part of the season? Is there anyone that stands out in the standings for you? Yeah, you know what? I don't I don't know if this is a surprise team, but um, they made a nice little acquisition at the trade deadline, which we'll get into later on. But Boston, uh, I think they've won six in a row right now. They look great. Tuka Rask looks healthy again. And, um, you know, that top line of Bergeron, Pasternak, and uh, Marchand is so lethal. We know that as Leafs fans for a while. But, um, yeah, that that nice addition of Taylor Hall will give them some depth that they may have needed at forward. And uh, they're going to be a scary team come playoff time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, maybe the Leafs will finally meet them in the playoffs again and, and have, have their shot at taking them down. But, um, yeah, to me, a team that stands out uh, is Carolina. They've been playing really hot lately um guys like Aho, Svechnikov they're all starting to pick it up they had kind of a slow start to the year but now um Aho's you know he's every game I feel like he's on the score sheet so um they've been really impressing me one team that's not impressing me from the same division is the Blue Jackets like they have fallen apart yeah I think I think they've lost eight straight now and uh Boy, they like I saw an interview with the goalie Mers Lincolns from there, and, and he was saying how embarrassing this year is. He just wants it to be over, and he wants it to be deleted. Yeah, have you seen Domi's been getting healthy scratch too? Has he? I saw him take like 
a few penalties one game and then i guess you know with a guy like torts that's not gonna last too long yeah so he's uh there there's definitely some trouble in paradise there yeah um let's go over kind of the trade deadline i know it was like about it was just over a week ago uh, and we haven't had an episode since so let's just really quickly go through kind of some of the bigger trades you mentioned hall uh were you surprised by how little buffalo got for taylor hall honestly yeah, I was surprised just due to also it was kind of one of the first dominoes to follow this trade deadline. So, you know, that Hall trade was done and then a couple others went after and you, you see these teams getting like basically the Hall that they got for Hall. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended there. Um, but yeah, I think for Boston, it was a steal. You're getting a, you know, a guy who's still very much in the prime of, of his career and uh, it's a perfect piece for them to add. I think they got him on that second line there. But um, really, you can you can play him with anyone, and he's going to make an impact in the game. So it's going to put them to another level. I know Boston's always a playoff contender, and uh, it's a tough division. It's close at the top right now, especially with Washington and the Islanders looking good. So um, I can't wait for that uh, playoff round when those four te- those top four teams go at it. What do you think of that addition, Jay? Yeah, I think part of the reason why. Uh you know, they didn't get a first round pick for him, um, was that apparently he had a no move clause and he had said like Buffalo or Boston's one of the only teams he'd go to. Mm. So I wonder if maybe it was just like, you know, Boston knew that and they were like, you know what, we're not going to give you a first for him because we know he doesn't want to be there. But the thing is, if he resigns with Boston next year, which I think he might because he wants to play there and like, obviously they're a good team, that, that trade is going to be one of the best <laughs> ever made. Like a second in a, in a, in a young not great i mean he's a good player bjork but um for taylor hall who's a mvp a few years ago like you can't really can't really complain about that it's funny too looking back you know you think back to hall's draft year it's crazy that this was basically a decade ago and you know like him and sagan were the clear cut one and two and obviously boston had that second overall pick they didn't get hall so it's funny to see him on the team 10 years later yeah and both of those guys kind of similar situations where great players really struggle to kind of find their spot, right? So, um, yeah, it's interesting to, to how you pointed that out. Like, Boston didn't, didn't get them the first time around, but now they have them, so. Okay, yeah, and then another big trade that happened, um, you know, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, they acquired Nick Felino. So what do you think of that deal? Do you think that's going to make a big difference on the forward end for them? And, um, you know, who do you think that he'll end up playing with uh, come playoff time? Yeah, so I think it's a really good guy to get for the Leafs I think that's exactly what they're looking for is a you know he's a tough guy good leader um he's been you know he's been in the league for a while he knows knows what it's all about um and the really nice thing about him is that he can play up and down your lineup right like he can play first line with and he's skilled enough to play with those guys he's also tough enough to play third fourth line minutes right so uh that's going to be the really nice thing for Toronto is to have that flexibility with him uh, and to move him around last night he was playing with Matthews and Marner on the first line which was pretty sweet to watch um I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch that game last night? Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I heard Sheldon Keefe talk a bit before the game about the decision. And, you know, obviously Hyman's going to be out for a few weeks. So Keefe was under the mentality of like, why not? Like, let's throw him with the big boys on that first line and see how he does. And, uh, you know, Felino had a great night. Like, obviously a big win against the Jets uh, to snap the losing streak for the Leafs, which is huge. But uh, he didn't look out of place at all. And and you kind of knew this coming in. Like, former NHL captain, this guy is... uh, been in the league for a while and there's a reason why yeah uh, interesting you kind of mentioned Hyman I, I kind of think they're a similar style of player right like 
kind of gritty, but can score goals if they're put with the right players. I, I would say Felino might be a little bit more skilled and a little more offensive than Hyman. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it is a good comparison there that he kind of just filled that Hyman spot. Um, what did you think about the the price for him? Uh, I think it was a first and maybe a couple other picks, and they had to do a three-way trade, whatever. But it was pretty much a first and a couple picks for Felino and some other guy, right? Yeah. You know what? Um, even if they only have Felino for this year, I'm not sure what it'll look like long-term. But I think it's worth it for the Leafs. You know, you, you already have a good record, so that pick is going to translate to a later pick in the first round, which has a much lower success rate. And I think the narrative in Toronto for a while now is we just can't get out of the first round of the playoffs. Like, you know, we, we've gotten over the hurdle of getting there and now it's a matter of making a run. And someone like bringing him in is going to be such a key piece come playoff time. Because as you mentioned, you know, he's that prototypical guy. You can play on any line and he's kind of built for the playoffs, right? Like a very defensive minded guy, but can also contribute offensively out there. So I think it's a great piece and it's kind of similar to what Tampa did last year is, you know, you overpay for some of these guys like uh, that can bring some depth to your forward lineup. But uh, hey, if you make a run, it's all worth it in the end. What do you think, though? Yeah. And touching on that first round again, it will probably be a, a low or a high pick, right? Like late 20s. We're hoping as Leafs fans. But um, and the thing is this year with the draft, too, like that, that those lower picks are even more tough to, to have right like everything's up in the air with these prospects so uh, i i thought it was interesting too to see last night how felino's dad actually played for the leafs back in like the 70s right and uh he actually wore the same number so it's pretty cool to see that kind of come full circle for him yeah that was awesome to see apparently he was a pretty key piece of the leafs back then with some unreal celebrations they had a little montage of some of the goals he scored he would get up like a foot in the air off the ice when he <laughs> scores that was kind of like his go-to celebration it looked yeah like. also unreal jofa <laughs> like the helmet was unreal i loved those helmets they need to bring those back to today's yeah. game yeah i think the concussions would go through this <laughs> if you had those uh, but yeah so uh we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up here uh it's been a good length of episode but before we do we're just going to quickly go through a fantasy corner like we have been uh maybe give an update on how your fantasy teams team or teams have done um if you want to yeah so i'm only in one league this year it's a pretty competitive league and uh you know, came in, uh, top eight teams make it to the playoffs in my league, came in as a sneaky six seed, playing the third seed. Unfortunately, first round exit for myself. I blame my two goalies, Blackwood and Hart, both got injured and basically didn't play a game for the whole week. So it's tough going against that. And um, also, you know, I had a couple Canucks on my team. I don't want to be an excuse train here, but uh, that COVID hit the team hard. And uh all I had on my Yahoo lineup was PPD for postponed. So uh, it was unfortunate, but hey, what can you do? Um, unfortunately, it's not a keeper league, so I'll be back at it from square one next year. What about you, Jay? I know you're in a you're in a pretty long-standing league. We've touched on it a couple times. Uh, did you make the playoffs, or, uh, or are you already looking to 2021? Yeah, I didn't make the playoffs oh. this year for my Dynasty League. Um, it was a good year for my team. I didn't expect – I thought I was going to come last because my team's pretty young. Um, but I, I made it competitive. I made a push for it. So it was good. Um, and then I have another one with some buddies from Guelph, like from university. Uh, I went all in this year on a trade and everything at the deadline to try and get my team good, but lost first round to the first place team, which that's, a, that's all right. Uh, you know, I had Pasternak and Pedersen and Pedersen was hurt the whole time. Pasternak was cold. So what you can't, again, I don't want to be an excuse train either, but 
we should, we deserved better, right? Hundred percent. Hey, that's fantasy to a T. You uh, you put all this time in and commitment, and you lose to the guy who had we checks his lineup. That's usually how it works oh. for me. Yeah, exactly. And he picks up somebody on a Sunday night, and they get like four goals. Oh, brutal. But speaking of four goals, you see, uh, Yakov Reina, who got traded from Washington to Detroit at the deadline, scored four goals last night for Detroit. No, I didn't see that, but that kid's a player. Yeah. Like I know everyone was talking about Mantha in that deal. I know we we didn't even touch on this one too. That was a big trade as well. But uh, that Verona kid, um, you know, he was a pretty key piece of their Stanley Cup run a couple years ago. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's only like 23, 24 years old. So plenty of future for him so hey who knows maybe detroit's finally building a little something there yeah yeah i believe he's 24 but detroit is building something good i think stevie Y is doing it again oh stevie it's gonna be tampa 2.0 man that trade was ridiculous though like it was mantha for a first a second reina who people argue like reina could be a mantha well, maybe not the same type of player but like similar value right so Interesting for Washington, but I mean Mantha's a great player. I think he's scored a bunch since he's gone to Washington too. Yeah, I know he's had a he's had a good start with Washington. It, it was an interesting trade though. You know, you think about you look at that core and Washington's not exactly young, right? You know, you got Ovi, you got Backstrom, um, getting up there in age, and TJ Oshie, same thing. So it's funny that they kind of traded a lot of picks, and they must see themselves as really much going all in again. It's kind of like you know then. You got a couple year window with those guys. Hopefully it's longer, but uh, I think Mantha, it's interesting because they have a lot of goal scoring prowess as it is. So bringing him in, it's like they might be going with the Leafs models just to try and overpower teams offensively. Yeah, for sure. Um, and one more thing before we go, uh, we were talking about this a bit the other day, and, and I just wanted to bring it up on here. And that was, I was reading a tweet about um, some guy who says, I don't know if you know European soccer and how it works, but in, in short, it, if a team, the bottom like four teams every year get relegated down or delegated down to like the lower league and then the top four teams from that league come up. And he was saying how the NHL, AHL should do something similar uh, where like, you know, the bottom three teams get sent to the AHL and the top three teams from the AHL come up to the NHL. What are your thoughts on that? Do you ever see that working in uh, the NHL? No, that would be an absolute gong show in my opinion. Like, could you imagine, you know, you're on a rebuilding team in the NHL, you're Buffalo, and you get sent down to the American League next year. You got Jack Eichel out there scoring for a game. That, that's a funny idea, though. Yeah, it is a funny idea, and, like, it would be creative, because I know, like, in Europe, it, it creates actually a lot more parity in the leagues because, you know, teams don't tank. Like, that, that's what it takes out, right, is because you don't want to get delegated, so you won't tank to try and come get a good pick. Um but again, like that argument of Eichel, and I saw the same argument with McDavid. Like they say, what if Edmonton has a bad year and he's down, McDavid's down in the AHL? How is that good for the NHL? So. Could you imagine? What about this, though? What about um, if you awarded the American Hockey League team, like the NHL affiliate with like, let's say the champion of the AHL, whoever's affiliated with them in the NHL, if you win the AHL, you can move up or down like two draft spots in the first round. What do you think of that? Do you think that would work? Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably have to look at all the pieces there and like see how it would work, but something like that would be cool. Again, it would give it would provide a little more incentive to win that AHL, right? Hundred percent. But going back to the other method, what if I just want to run this scenario by? What if like the Marlies won the AHL and then you had two Toronto teams up in the NHL? <laughs> Who would you cheer for? I'd gotta go underdog Marlies there. I think. Oh yeah, no, I'd cheer for the Marlies too. That old barn that they play out of—that's unreal. Yeah. I don't know if you knew this, but I think like 10 or 15 years ago, 
Um, for all the GTA listeners, Markham was actually approved to build like an NHL-sized stadium with the intention of maybe grabbing an expansion team. That fizzled out, but could you imagine that? Two teams in the GTA in the NHL? Yeah, I do remember the talks of, you know, an NHL team's coming to Markham. <laughs> don't really see that happening. Don't know how it would. I feel like, I don't know, I guess they would maybe get fans. But Toronto fans, like Leafs fans are pretty diehard and like pretty loyal. So I don't think a lot of would switch over, but maybe, who knows. Um, but yeah, that's kind of just a fun little teaser situation that I thought we could go over, but I think that's probably a good place to wrap it. Um, again, thanks to all our listeners. We really appreciate all the the feedback support. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. Um, I think we got our first review on Apple podcast though. Um, wow. Yeah. Let's go. Pretty good one too. Five stars. So I mean, I don't know, like we still only have one. So if you're listening to this, if you've made it this far in the episode, Go leave us a review, and we'll give you a shout-out next episode. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Do you know who that first review is from? I, it's, a, it's a username that's not someone I know, so no. It's it's Ron Textall, so that's not. <laughs> it's a tribute to the, you know, the great goalie Ron Hextall. Uh, oh, but, thanks, Ron. We appreciate yeah. it here at Standing Room only. Yeah, thanks, Ronnie Textall. Yeah. Okay, well, Matt, um, that was fun. It was good to have Owen on again and, and to kind of talk current NHL with you. Um yeah, next week we got a special guest coming on. We're not going to give it away right, right now, but really special guest next week. Um, you guys are definitely going to want to tune in for that. Um, but before we go, Matt, anything else? No, I think, uh, you know what? We may have made it through the lull. I think we're getting through the midseason and uh, playoffs are around the corner. So it's going to be fun. And as Jay alluded to, we're going to have a fun guest on next week, a little bit different than what uh, maybe you guys are used to. So uh, definitely look forward to posting that episode soon. Yeah, all right, Matt. Well, have a good week. Um, I'll talk to you next week and uh, looking forward to that episode.